Parashat Zohar this week, and the Haftarah of Parashat Zohar tells us the other time in history when Amalek was eradicated or attempted to be eradicated, which was in the time of Shaul. Shaul was the first king of Klai Yisrael, and he was given the command to eradicate Amalek, to destroy Amalek, which is one of the mitzvahs that a king has, and he failed to properly ex- execute the mitzvah of destroying Amalek. And he didn't fulfill the command of the Navi, who had expressly told him to do so. And as a result, he lost his claim to the throne. He lost his, his Malchus. The story was, Shaul was commanded by Shmuel, in the name of Hashem, to wage war with Amalek, Amalek and wipe them out. And the Pasuk clearly states that his obligation was to totally destroy them. From Isha, from man to woman, from me, me, uh, uh, child to nursing baby, from oxen to sheep, and from camel to donkey. The, the Pasuk leaves nothing out. It's very clear and explicit. Everybody, every animal, every child, every man, woman, all of them have to be killed and destroyed. And the Pasuk tells us that Shaul was troubled by this command. It says, Vayirev benachal, he fought internally. He struggled in the valley. And what was his struggle? Rashi says that he said to himself, that Hashem commands us to bring an Egla Rufa, to, to, to cut off the head of a cow, to atone for the murder of a person, even if we didn't murder him, but just because we weren't able to prevent it. And here, Hashem is commanding me to kill out men, women, and children. What did if the men sinned? What did the children do? And even if the children sinned, what did the animals do? Why do I have to wipe out everything? So this was his internal struggle. He had a problem with this commandment of a Kaddish Baruch Now, eventually, when the war was waged, he did wipe out men, women, and children. But he left the king of Amalek alive, Agag. And he left the livestock alive. He left a sheep, an oxen. He left them alive. So, clearly, he transgressed the express mitzvah in the Torah to wipe out all of Amalek, which the Torah very clearly obligates us to wipe out everything. And he also transgressed a clear command of the Navi in this particular situation, which left nothing unsaid. He said very clearly what he has to kill, and he didn't listen. Now, why did he do that? So it would seem it was because of an internal struggle that he had, and he just couldn't do it. But it's astonishing that he killed all the children. Uh, Agag he spared, the king, the most, probably most guilty person. That's the person he spared, and the animals. So what was the reasoning behind that? And what's more perplexing is that Shmuel is told by Hashem that Shaul failed, and as a result lost his kingdom. So Shmuel goes and confronts Shaul, and the first thing Shaul says, as soon as he meets Shmuel, he says, Baruch Atel Hashem, you're blessed to Hashem, Hakim Oisiz Hashem, I have upheld the word of Hashem. Now how could Shaul possibly say that? What was he thinking? Shmuel immediately challenges him, he says, what is the sound of sheep that I'm hearing? But Shaul still maintains his position, Stark. He says, no, I took them from Amalek and I'm going to bring them as a carbon. Now, how could he think that he was keeping Hashem's command? He was told to kill them. There's this amazing pshat from the Einig Yantiv, Shaul Sanchuvis Einig Yantiv. He uh, lived about 150, 200 years ago. A uh, very famous Shaul Sanchuvis Sefer. And he's quoted in Sefer Evan Yisrael, which was written by Dayan uh, Rav Yisrael Yaakov Fisher Zetzal, who I had the... Uh, the honor to meet a few times in Eretz Yisrael with one of the Gedele Hadar. And he elaborates on this point beautifully. So the Ainigantiv explains that Shaul found a loophole how to get around Hashem's direct command to kill all the animals. Shaul was very troubled by every aspect of the mitzvah. 
he simply didn't want to keep it, it was hard for him to keep it, he wanted to just be Yaitza. He wanted to be Yaitza, he wanted to absolve his obligation and be done with it. So therefore he found a way to be Yaitza, to absolve himself from it, and he came up, came up with a loophole to avoid keeping it totally. What was his loophole? The manner in which he was commanded to kill Amalek was to first kill the adults, then kill the children, and then kill the livestock. So he inferred from this that as long as he hasn't finished killing the people, he's not obligated to kill the livestock. He has to first kill the people and then the livestock. So he left Agag alive. By leaving Agag alive, he hadn't yet finished, he hadn't totally fulfilled the mitzvah of killing all the people, but he had full intent to kill Agag later. He wasn't keeping him alive forever. He was just keeping him alive temporarily. But during that time, after all everybody else in Amalek was killed, Agag was still alive, but not all the men were killed. So now the livestock, the Jews didn't have to kill them yet, so they took possession of them. They took possession of the livestock that they wanted to bring for a carbon, and now it became Jewish possessions. So now he thought, when I kill Agag, I don't have to kill these animals anymore because they're not Amaleki behemoths anymore. Now... They're Jewish behemoths. Jewish behemoths aren't required to be killed. So he found a loophole. He left one man alive. He wasn't yet obligated to kill the animals. The Jews went and all took them. They, they uh, became their possession. And now his plan was, when I kill Agag, I won't have to kill those animals anymore because now they're Jewish possessions. So when he came to, to uh, Shmuel, he says, Hakimah says, Devar Hashem, I fulfilled the literal word of Hashem. I mean, I did exactly as the words commanded me to do. I found a loophole. I got around it, and I found a way to get, to get what I wanted, to absolve myself of having to wipe out all those animals. Now, he only wanted those animals for the sake of bringing a carbon. Now, it's interesting. They only kept a sufficient amount to sacrifice them, and it would seem from context that the reason why they were bringing these carbonists is because they felt guilty. They thought they did something wrong. They felt that they, they were doing something wrong by killing all the people and the men and the women and the children, so they wanted to bring carbonists to absolve themselves. The mitzvah was, simple too, it was too difficult for them to accept and fulfill with a whole heart, so they looked for every opportunity to be rid of it. Shmuel accused Shaul of ma'astas dvar Hashem. You have become disgusted with Hashem's command. And that was the root of the issue. He just didn't have the fire in him to keep this mitzvah. He was not, didn't have the conviction. So Shmuel also explains to Shaul and the success of Sukkim over there in, uh, in the Haftarah, and Diane Fisher explains this beautifully, that the root of this Avera was really what Amalek is all about. Amalek comes to weaken Klai Yisrael's resolve to keep Torah mitzvahs. Amalek attempts to shake Klai Yisrael's conviction that Torah mitzvahs are true and are eternal and are nitzchiyas and they're from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The first appearance of Amalek in, in the Torah is prefaced by Klai Yisrael entering Rafidim, which Chazal explained, Rafidim means Rafu Yudeya mi Torah mitzvahs. They became weak. They weakened their grip on Torah mitzvahs, which means they simply didn't try to keep them to their fullest. They look to become putter, to absolve their obligation, to just be yitz in the most minimal way possible and be done with it. And that's what Amalek lives for. The difference between keeping Tyre and Mitzvahs with a burning desire, with motivation, doing it in its fullest, l'mahadrin, mahadrin in a mahadrin, the most beautiful way possible, or to do a Mitzvah simply as required, no more, running out almost halfway before it's finished, there's a huge chasm between those two things, and it's the difference between whether Amalek successfully discredits Hashem's presence in this world, or whether we make a Kiddush Hashem. So truly in the Megillah, once Klai Yisrael overcame Haman, 
This is exactly the change that was brought about. Haman had accused Klai Yisrael from being there is a nation, and Chazal explained, they fall asleep when they do mitzvahs. They're doing it by rote. They don't have their heart in it. They don't care about it. They're not trying to do their best. And when Klal Yisrael repented, they then accepted the Torah one more time, not through force, but willingly and happily. For the first time in history, they were Mikabal the Torah Buratzin, and that was the true vanquishing of Amalek, and that was the root of what happened over here with Shaul. Shaul found a way to get around Dvar Hashem, but that was the essence of what was wrong with what Amalek was trying to do, that don't care so much about Tyre Mitzvahs. Eh, do it, you have to do it, do it. You're forced to do it, do it. But don't put yourself into it, don't care about it, don't put your heart into it, don't believe it's so important, don't believe of its, of its eternal value. And that Shmuel explained to Shaul, you might have been Hakim as Dvar Hashem, but at the same time, you rebelled against HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and you caused Achilol Hashem. And as a result, that's why you abandoned, lost the Malucha, and our Tikkun for this, our Tikkun eternally, when, which is what Purim is all about, is our excitement to do mitzvahs, our joy in doing mitzvahs, our simcha, and our motivation to keep mitzvahs in their fullest. Have a good night, a wonderful Shabbos, and a Freil Purim.